the story of the Good Samaritan, perhaps one of the most famous of all Jesus' parables, challenges us in a variety of different ways. And we talked about the challenge of justification, the challenge of religion, the challenge of racism. And this week, we're going to talk about the challenge of service. The story of the Good Samaritan, it's one of the most uh, familiar of Jesus' stories. Remember, an expert in the law comes to Jesus and he wants to trick Jesus. He wants to trap Jesus. So he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And the expert of the law summarizes it and says, well, it just means love God and love your neighbor. And, and Jesus says, well, that's a good rule. Just do that and you will live. And the expert in the law is smart enough to know that he actually doesn't do that. He actually can't do that. And so he tries to qualify this. This is what the, the uh, scholars did is they qualified and tried to codify all of the broad rules with a bunch of little of, of particular rules that they had to follow. And so he says, well, who's my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus told this story. A certain man was walking on the road from Jerusalem and Jericho to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, and they beat him. They took his clothes. They took his money. They took his ID. They took everything and just left him on the road dying. And first, a priest walked by, and the priest walked by, and he saw the guy saw some flies, saw some vultures swirling around, and he went to the other side of the road and just kept walking. And then a Levite came by. The Levites were the people who, who managed the charity for the treasury of the temple. So this was his job to take care of him, but he apparently had an important committee meeting to go to because he just kept walking and didn't get involved. And then a Samaritan, one of the hated Samaritans, one of the people who the Jews loved to look down on, he came by and he saw the man and he stopped and he bandaged his wounds. He, he washed his wounds with the oil and wine he had. He took the man to the inn. He cared for him for a day. And then he said to the innkeeper, here's some money. Just take care of this guy till he gets on his feet and just keep a bill for me. And when I come back through, I'll pay, pay off the balance. And then Jesus said, which of these men it was a neighbor to the man who fell among thieves. So that's the, today I want to focus in on what the Good Samaritan did and talk about the challenge of service. Because here in this parable, Jesus is defining, he's defining what love is. And to, to define what love is, to give a picture of what love is, he gives a picture of a man who messes up his life, who blows up his life and, and drops his agenda to serve someone else. He uses the story of the Good Samaritan to give us a illustration of what he means when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says at the end, go and do likewise. That's the last line of this uh, section. That this is not just a, a uh, a, a broad concept, but this is actually a prescriptive picture of what Jesus calls all of his followers to do and to be. So, so what we learn from that, and what we learn from this and the whole, the rest of the Bible, is that the priority of service, that service is not auxiliary to the Christian life, it's of the essence of the Christian life. And one of the things that if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the things you should be known for is your willingness to serve others. You think about it in this world and in, in just in, in general, the way greatness is measured is by how many people 
serve under you? You think of a military officer, how does he explain to lay people what he does? He says, well, I've got a platoon of 40 people I command, or 100 people, or 120 people, or 1,000 people, or, or 5,000 people, depending on how responsible you are. It's defined by how many people are under your command. Or even in corporate America, how many people are you supervising? How many people are on the team that you are leading? How many people report to you on a daily basis? We, we define greatness naturally by how many people serve you, how many people are at your beck and call. But, and, and that's always been the way of, of humanity. And Plato himself said, the Greek philosopher Plato said at one point, how can I be happy if I have to serve somebody? Service was something that people worked and tried to get out of. And then Jesus came and he blew up that paradigm. In Mark chapter 10, I think we can pop that on the screen, it says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Jesus' upside-down kingdom, greatness is defined not by how many people serve under you. Greatness is defined by how many people you are willing to serve. Jesus is the greatest because he was the greatest servant, the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To be a Christian means to be someone who's following a king who became a servant for us. So that's the priority of service, but then what does that actually mean? Well, the, good the story of the Good Samaritan gives us a picture of what's involved in service, a graphic picture. He sees the man left for dead on the side of the road, and he went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. He got down off of his donkey, he went to the man, he bent over the man, he got on his hands and knees. Probably this guy wasn't traveling with a big first aid kit, so he took his own garments, his own, his own textiles, whatever he had, and used them to bandage up the wounds that this guy was left with, who knows, the stab wounds, the slash wounds, the, the, the bruises that were on this guy. And, and then he, he takes the oil and, and wine that he had and uses that to wash the wounds because that's all that he had, had, had handy. And I, you know, I imagine this guy, he was traveling with money, he was traveling with oil and wine, he was probably a merchant or a trader or something like that, a model of decorum, a model of, of you know, a, a, a gentleman. But here he is on his hands and knees on the side of the road helping this person who's, who's in this absolutely desperate state. This person who's covered with blood and covered with dirt and, and can barely help himself isn't a, even able to get up. And I, I don't know if you ever dealt with dirt and blood and all that mixed together. It's kind of like rolling in, in some bad paint or something. It, there's nothing messier. And then he puts the guy on his donkey so he has to walk and he takes him to the inn. And I can just imagine by the time the, these two guys showed up at the inn, you couldn't tell who was the one who got beat up and who was the one helping them because they were both such a mess. But that's a picture of what service requires. You can't help someone unless you're willing to go down to where they are. There's no way the Good Samaritan could have helped this guy unless he was willing to get, on his, get off of his donkey 
and get on his hands and knees and attend to the guy. You can't assist someone without inconveniencing yourself. I read the story, I'm like, this guy's wife was going to be mad at him because he was late getting home from his trip and he was going to have some explaining to do. Hopefully she was understanding. And here's the thing about serving, you can't relieve someone else of their burden unless you're willing to burden yourself. This guy put, put, the, put the victim on his own donkey and then he walked because there's no way you can unburden someone else until or except to the extent that you're willing to burden yourself. A lot of the reasons we don't serve is because we don't want to be burdened with the problems of other people, but until you do that, you can't really help anyone. And that's what Jesus means when he says we need, we're called to service. The biggest picture of this, of course, is Jesus. What is the story of Jesus? Philippians 2 puts it this way. He who was in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and made himself nothing and came down and made himself a servant. Jesus, to serve, came down to us. And for us to serve, we might have to get on our hands and knees and get dirty with other people. And so, so the priority of service, it's the essence of the Christian life, the picture of service, it's being willing to burden yourself to relieve the burdens of others. And thirdly, the power of service. Uh, just imagine this, you know, so, so here's this scene, this guy dying on the side of the road. And imagine if instead of the Good Samaritan being the first person to try to help, imagine if a, a regiment of young soldiers had come up and they come up just as the thieves were getting away and they realized, okay, there, there are some, some thugs who beat this guy up and we got to go get those guys. And so they ran past the guy and, and caught the thieves, caught the gang who had, who had, who had, uh, who had assaulted the guy and got the guy's, guy's uh, stuff back. And then they were able to uh, arrest these guys and get them off the road. You know, that would have been all well and good, right? To get the guy's stuff back to, to get, bring the guys to justice who had, who had hurt this guy and all those things. Those are good things to do. But on the other hand, this guy was dying by the side of the road. The most urgent thing and the most necessary thing for the victim in this place was not that his, his assailants be brought to justice, but he needed someone to care for him. He needed someone to be gentle with him. He needed someone to get dirty with him and someone to help him. And a bunch of officers or policemen running after the, uh, his assailants wouldn't have saved his life. And here's the thing about service. The, the power of service, it's the power to heal. Authority and strength can destroy and can punish and can assert justice, but it's only service that can bring healing, that can bring restoration, and that can redeem. If we really want to bring healing to the world around us and bring healing to the lives around us, we've got to be willing to be servants. And it's because it's service that, that brings restoration. And the ultimate proof of this is to me, the life of Jesus. I mean, if you read the story of Jesus and you believe the story of Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, he did incredibly powerful things. He could raise the dead. He could feed the 5,000. He could turn 
water into wine. He could calm a storm. He could give sight to the blind. He could do all kinds of things. He says at one point, I've got legions of angels who are at my beck and call. And if Jesus had come, and remember Jesus came to a nation that was under the Roman Empire and was desperate to get out, and they envisioned a Messiah who would come along and who would conquer all of Israel's enemies and restore Israel to its to greatness and world domination. That's what they expected the Messiah was going to do. That's what they understood the prophets were prophesying. And, you know, if Jesus had wanted to do that, you read the story, he could have done that just by waving his finger. You know, he could have done that just, just with a nod of his head. It would have been done. It wouldn't even have been a struggle, right? Because he was Jesus. He had the angels fighting for him. He could, he could bring the storms and he had, was the Lord of the storms and, and everything else. But that's not what Jesus came to do. And that wasn't the methodology he had, and that wasn't the agenda he had. For Jesus to accomplish what he was going to do, he had to come and sacrifice his life. He had to come as, not as a conquering king, but as a humble servant. And he had to come and not destroy the Romans, but actually allow himself to be nailed to a Roman cross. And not to kill all of his enemies, but allow his enemies to kill him. That was the message of Jesus. That's, and, but it was only through him becoming a servant, only through his willingness to serve and to sacrifice and to humble himself, that ultimately he could restore this world, that he could heal this broken world, and that he could redeem the broken humanity that's all around us. And and so his mission was a mission of service because it was a mission of love and because it was a mission of redemption. And if you want to be a force for redemption and restoration and in this world that you live in and you see the broken lives around you, you've got to embrace a mission of, servant, of service as well. When people need healing, they need someone who's willing to serve. To make things right. So that's the power of service. It has the power to heal. Even Jesus himself couldn't heal this world, couldn't redeem this world, unless he was willing to become a servant. And you yourself are going to do your most powerful things, not through asserting your, your strength, or, but, but instead it'll be when you are willing to serve other people, when you're willing to lay aside your strength and get involved and serve one another. Another thing about, another aspect of the power of service is service has this amazing ability to connect us to other people. When you serve somebody, the barrier between you and that other person goes down. When you serve another person, you know what it does? It bonds you to that person in a profound way. Probably the, the biggest illustration of this is you see a mother and a child. You know, the child's literally sucking the life out of that mother, and the mother is blowing up her life for the sake of that child. And yet, for some reason, the mother thinks it's wonderful because, because it's, it's her child. But, but you know, that, that happens at every level of life. One of the things service does is it, is it bonds us to the people who we serve. It, at any level, when you, when you decide to serve someone, you're going to experience a deep, deep bond 
to that person, whether it's a friend that you help move or maybe a neighbor who you don't really know and you realize they're bringing a bunch of uh, groceries into, the, into the, their apartment and you decide to help them a few times, or, or just a stranger on the, on the, that, that you meet on the streets or, or a family member. There's something supernatural, I, I don't understand it, but I've just observed it about how, how uh, service bonds us to people and the surprise of service is how it warms up our lives by connecting us to people who we might otherwise not really have a connection to. Uh, you know, and I think this is important because so many of the pathologies and so much of the misery that that people in our day and age experience is because we feel utterly alienated from the people around us. And, and you know, we wonder why we feel so alienated. And part of the reason is because we're so stinking selfish, we're only thinking about ourselves and we're not willing to serve other people. And other people aren't willing to serve us. And so, you know, if you need a ride, you call an Uber. If you need, need to help moving, you call, call a mover. And, and, and uh, we find ways to get through life without asking anybody for help. We live our lives without offering anybody to help. And as a result, we're all alone. We're disconnected and we're not bonded to anyone else. But there's, and, and that's, that's the problem. And, and that's probably, for, for those of us who are feeling alienated today, probably a lot of it comes from your unwillingness to serve other people. And the, and the biggest, the quickest way to change your life is to make a commitment, find people who you can help out, find people who you can serve, because, because that will bond you to them in a way that, that, you, that you weren't expecting, and it'll change your life. In fact, it can almost, it can become, it can become intoxicating sometimes. The, uh, the way people respond to you and, and the, just the feelings you get when you serve. So the power of service is it breaks down barriers between and deeply bonds you to people who you're serving. Um, and, and that's the blessing of service is it creates that bond. But now let me just, just put a footnote in. This is, might apply to some of you, but probably not most of you. But there's also a warning because it bonds us to people but it, and it breaks down barriers between people but it also can dissolve our boundaries with people because here's the funny thing is when you serve somebody let me tell you this is the way it works it, it it definitely bonds you to the people you're serving but the people you're serving aren't necessarily going to be bonded to you you know a mother might be bonded to this child who she's pouring out her life for but but the child won't necessarily appreciate for a long time everything that the mother did for that person. But, but this, and, and this just goes to every area of life. You do something for someone and you feel like, wow, we, we, I've really made a difference in that person's life. I've really given a lot for that person. And you're expecting to be appreciated and you're not. You're expecting them to understand the extent to which you put yourself out for that person and they don't. You're expecting them to reciprocate the favor and they don't because because uh, the challenge of service is is it always bonds us to the to the person we're serving but and and but it doesn't necessarily bond that person to us it always gives us a feeling of uh, that we're really making doing something significant but sometimes that feeling is not reciprocated and and you can get caught up in that and so that leads me to the pitfall of service which is we 
we can miss our limits. Really, when I talk about service, I'm talking about something so intoxicating it can, it can, it can take charge of your life. But, uh, and and uh, we fail to see our limits, we fail to recognize our limits. And so what I like about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is not only did he serve this guy, not only did he, did he carry this guy into the inn, not only did he pay his bill when he dropped him off there, but he also recognized his limits. He brought him to the inn, he took care of him for one day overnight, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for the extra expense you might have. So he spends a day of his life taking care of this guy and then he realizes the guy's gonna need more care than he's got time to give. So he says to the innkeeper, okay, I'm gonna turn him over to you, you take care of him and I'll, I'll just pay you what I have to pay you when I'm done. He recognized his limits. He recognized that his wife was getting madder at him with every minute he was late getting home. And, uh, and uh, so he was willing to stop everything and do that, but he was also able to say, I can do this, but not any more than this. So service, here's the thing, because service is so powerful that we get entangled in it. You can almost get addicted to it in, in a sense and derive your identity from it. But that's why as we serve, we need to serve with boundaries in our relationships with people. So the blessing of service is it breaks down boundaries, it allows for real connection between people, but the risk of service is it breaks down boundaries that can almost create codependency between people. And so to serve in a healthy way, to serve in a way that ultimately honors Christ, is to serve with boundaries where you admit your limits, where you give what you can, and you know when you have to say no. Now, I, know, I say all this knowing that, that uh, you know, 90% of us are doing a lot less than we could be doing, but for that other 10% who do 90% of the service, you need to know that, uh, that, that, uh, that there is a limit to this and, and, uh, and we, we've got to, uh, we, we've got to uh, understand this so we don't get get swept up too much in it. So, so there's the priority of service, the picture of service, the power of service, the pitfall of service, that breakdown of boundaries that happen as we get swept up in it. But then finally I want to talk about the passion of service. Remember, why do Christians serve? We serve because he first served us. We give ourselves to others because the Christian gospel is that Jesus gave himself for us. And the model that Jesus created for us and, and the, the essence of what the Christian faith is is all bound up in service. Perhaps the most graphic picture of this comes in John 13 at the Last Supper. You guys, this is a pretty familiar story. But um, what happens in John 13 is Jesus is uh, sitting down at the Last Supper with his, with his disciples and someone had, had donated a room to him. Someone had set up the dinner for them. And, and Last Supper was a Passover meal. So this, it was this meal of great uh, religious import to them. And it was Jesus' opportunity to say his last words to his disciples. And, uh, and, and uh, the protocol in, in the ancient Near East in, the, in those days when you had, had dinner with people was before you could sit down, could really sit down to a nice dinner 
everybody had to, somebody had to wash everybody's feet. And the reason for that is because they didn't have tables and chairs like we do, you know, where your feet are under the table and they're out of the way. Everyone sat on a carpet, sort of on the floor, and so there were feet everywhere. <laughs> and imagine how nasty it would be to have the Last Supper and have all these nasty feet everywhere. And so, so the, the rule was, before we can sit down, you know, you wash your hands, of course, but somebody's got to wash everybody's feet. And usually, you know, if, if you had it, you'd have a servant provided for that. But if you didn't have a servant who would do that, or, you know, uh, a helper who would do that, then, then it was up to the person who was sort of the, the lowest on the hierarchy, because, of course, that was the nastiest job to be done. So the person who was lowest on the hierarchy would ha be responsible for going around and washing everybody's feet. But you know the story. There was sort of this awkward silence because everyone's like, well, we can't really start this meal till somebody washes everybody's feet. But apparently they gave us this room, but they didn't give us a foot washer. And so how are we going to do this? What's going to happen? And, and everyone's, you know, it's one of those, th those situations where he who talks first loses. So no, <laughs> nobody's pointing out the elephant in the room. And, and then Jesus gets up and it says he takes off his robe, puts it to the side and takes a bowl and takes a towel and starts going around and washing his disciples' feet. Remember, remember that story? And it's, it's, it's sort of the quintessential picture of Jesus as the servant. Among his, his buffoonish disciples, he's the one who volunteers to wash everybody's feet. But then he comes to Peter, and Peter's like, wait a minute. No, this isn't right. No, no, no. This is not going to happen. Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. I'm not going to allow this. I'd allow John to wash my feet, but I'm not going to allow you to wash my feet. And Jesus says those words to him. He says, Peter, unless... I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter says, I'm supposed to be following you. I'm supposed to be washing your feet. You're not supposed to be washing my feet. And Jesus says, you don't understand. The essence of the Christian life, it's not about, first and foremost, what you do for me or even what you do for others. The essence of it is what I am going to do for you. And the first step in following Jesus is not stepping out to serve other people. The essence is not stepping out to serve other people. The essence is allowing Jesus to serve us, allowing Jesus to wash us, to learning what it means to rest in his work for us. And then we serve because we first serve us. But here's the amazing thing. Think about this. What does service do? I just said the thing about service is it breaks down those barriers between us and the other person. And when you serve someone, you're bonded to that person. So imagine this. Imagine the extent to which our Lord Jesus Christ will be bonded to you if you will let him serve you. Imagine the extent to which Jesus identifies with you if he was willing to give his life for you. Imagine the new identity you have because of all that he has given for you and his willingness to sacrifice himself for you. But then washed by him and being connected with him, we have a basis from there to step out sacrificially to serve 
other people. As Paul says in Philippians 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from His love and any fellowship with the Spirit and any tenderness and compassion, then be like-minded, be like our Lord Jesus Christ, who did not hold on to his equality with God, but let it go and became a servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for the service of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help us to rest in that and to live in the assurance, live in the hope that comes from knowing that we belong to him and the king of the universe has come down to serve us. I pray in his name. Amen.